0: Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We
1: behold of God in the face of Christ, it shows us.
0: Genesis is a book of beginnings. It tells us of God's thoughtful and intricate plan in creating the world and everything in it. And it still speaks today of His glory, faithfulness and love. of Cheryl's message titled A God You Can Trust. He created
1: land, dust, dirt, resplendent with minerals and vitamins, nutrients. He created vegetation with seeds so it could reproduce itself and be used for food. He created birds and all their varieties winged, hollow boned, ability to fly, egg laying, And this is my favorite, singers. Singers, unless you're talking about crows, they're just gossips. Don't you always feel like crows are talking about you? God created sea creatures, spouting whales, frolicking dolphins, sharks, pufferfish, swordfish, crabs, lobsters, and the such. And he made them so it would clean up the sea. Who but God thought of land animals from ants? I wish he hadn't thought of them. Rhinoceros? Like, really, God? What are we supposed to do with this? Hippopotamus? Giraffes? Dinosaurs? Who but God thought of all these different shapes and creatures, all with purposes and uniqueness? Who but God? Thought of man and woman, and gave them eyes and cells and organs and systems and hearts and minds and the capacity to speak and sing and write and to create and to communicate and interact with God Himself. We learn that God is caring, He saw man's loneliness. And he wanted man to know relationship. And so he made a helpmate comparable to him. We learn that God is not a chauvinist, but God is for women. Because the apex of his creation is, and to quote Adam, whoa, man, the apex the last. He looked over all of creation and said, it's not good. There's something missing. And that was woman. And he crowned creation with a woman because creation without woman was incomplete and not good. He formed her from Adam's side, taking a rib out of Adam's side. And this reminds us of Jesus on the cross in John nineteen thirty four, that he was pierced from the side so his blood might be spilled out for his bride. It was a gesture of love and codependency. He let Adam feel the deficit of life without Eve. Adam first named all the animals. So he could know the need and be ready to receive it. And then God brings her or presents her to Adam. Like, this is my creation. I made woman. She is special. She is not to be treated disrespectfully. We learn that God is personal. Because we're told that God formed man and woman by hand. It's the word yatsar. It's the term used for a potter with a clay. And this is what God did with the dust. He formed Adam and Eve from the dust. We learn that God is generous. How? He made man in his own image. He imparted himself what he is and put it in man. Though later, when we get to chapter three, we will learn how costly, and if the Bible teaches us anything, we learn how costly it was for God to make man and woman in his own image. And again, he made man and woman In his own image. He gave man authority over his creation. God did all the work and said, here, you can tend it. You can name the animals. You can work with me. I'll share. God breathed his own breath into man, something he did not do with any other created thing. He didn't breathe breath into the ant. He didn't breathe breath into the rhinoceros. He breathed it into Adam and said, become a living being. He breathed it into Eve. He gave Adam and Eve unlimited access to every fruit-bearing tree but one, hundreds of trees, all the trees, every variety of tree, as much as they wanted any time they it, every tree, but one. We learn that God is a God of blessing. In Genesis 1.22, he blessed the birds and the sea creatures. What is a blessing? A blessing is to give favor, to give happiness, to impart joy, to say this is good, to give honor, to give respect. God blessed the birds and sea creatures. In Genesis 1.27, he blessed the man and the woman. In Genesis two three, he blessed the Sabbath and made it a day of rest. This is a day that God created for man to enjoy God and God to enjoy man. For man to enjoy all the creation of God. Not work, not tend, but just in joy, to rest in it knowing God has done all the work, to take inventory of all that God has done. We learn that God desires to bless, to enable creation to function and prosper this blessing. We learn that God is loving to mankind, that mankind is the speciality of creation. Again, mankind is in God's image. We see that God is concerned for Adam's loneliness. We see that God works cooperatively with Adam in naming the animals. He doesn't say, this is called this, and this is called this, and just learn these names, Adam. Memorize, come on, I give you brain. He says, Adam, what do you wanna call it? Who knows? You know, We don't know what Adam called him. We don't know if he called them the scientific name, if he knew Latin in the garden, or if he said rough, roar, quack, oink, tweet. We don't know what he called them. You know, as parents, you know how it is like your your child will name something and that's the name of that thing for the rest of their existence and yours too? My grandson, he called Brian and my father buddy. And it was because every time he saw my dad or he saw Brian, they always said, hey, buddy. So he called them buddy back. And so one time my daughter was saying, which one are you talking about? And he said, well, chocolate buddy. That was my dad's name. Because he always had chocolate on his desk for the grandchildren. And from then on, my mother called my father chocolate buddy. From then on... I called my father, hey, Dad, hey, chocolate buddy. That's what we all just called him, chocolate buddy. Adam, what do you want to call Chuck Smith? Chocolate buddy. You know, it just is one of those things. What a delight we take. What a delight we take. God is loving to mankind. He puts Adam in his garden. God planted this garden. May I say that God planted a garden with mature fruit-bearing trees. They were already bearing fruit. How old is the earth? I don't know. Because he created it with a backstory and with age. He gives Adam a job because he's loving to tend his garden, a cooperative effort. And he brings the animals to Adam. We realize that God creates beauty The garden had rivers, and these rivers were amazing. One led to a land of gold, one led to a land where onyx and myrrh could be found. So, we see also that God creates beauty because the garden had life, fruit, bearing trees. When Eve We'll read this in chapter three. When she looks at the tree of good and evil, she says it's pleasant to the eyes. She's comparing it to the other trees. Well, they're all pleasant to the eyes. They're all beautiful. We see that the garden had many trees, fruit trees, and had maturity. We learn that God is a God of freedom because he does not restrict the trees in the garden except for one. And yet he allows access. even the prohibited one. Why? Because he's a God of freedom. He gives Adam and Eve a choice, an opportunity for obedience. He doesn't force obedience on them. One way would be to not even give that option of the tree, leave it out of the garden. You might say, I wish he would have, but he didn't because he's a God of freedom. There is love is only love. And I'm going to quote Chocolate Buddy Love is only love, and obedience is only obedience if there is a choice or an opportunity to choose something else. Maybe you remember how my father said, I must really love Kay because there were a lot of pretty girls at Life Bible College, but I chose her. And she'd be like, Not that illustration again. But love is a choice. You're choosing this above another option. And so God gives man the freedom to choose love, to choose obedience. We realize that God's work is perfect. Everything God made was perfect. It was good. It was complete. It was orderly. It was lasting. It was fruitful. We realize that God finishes his work. He finishes. He says, in six days, the Lord God made creation. Then he called on us. It was completed. No loose ants. No circuits left unconnected. So we learn that God is a God that finishes what he starts. And we learn that God is a God of rest because he blessed the Sabbath. He made a day for Adam and Eve to rest, to relax. He's not a taskmaster, he's a father. A father makes sure that a child takes their naps and goes to bed on time. A taskmaster just wants more and more work. He made a day of enjoyment without work, a day of contemplation and enjoyment. I like to think this a front porch day. They just to sit on the rocking chair and say, well, Jeb, that farm's looking really nice. It's a front porch day. This God, this God of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, this is your God. He is not just Elohim, a God. He is the God, the great God, The God of gods. He is the God that is speaking to each one of us today, saying, Trust me. Trust me. His track record is perfect. He is relational. He is relational. He wants to be a father to you, a friend to you. He wants relationship, not master to servant. He is holy. There is no other God, no other God, no other concept of God, no other God in any religion that is like this God, no other God who is as orderly as our God. God wants to order your life. There is a progression. There is a purpose in what he is doing. So he is purposeful. You know, the older you get, the more you can look back on your life and go, I needed that. That was right. Oh, how I needed that. At the time when you're in it, you're like, I don't need this. Or we say, I don't need this. I ain't got no time for this. I don't need this. But God knows what we have need. He knows what we have need of. He's purposeful and intentional. God is good. He's beneficial, he's pure, he is true. He is creative. Some of the things he does in your life, they're so creative. I mean, you come up with your plan for God. God, do this and this way and turn right here and turn left there. And God says, okay, thank you very much for your directions, but I'm gonna do it this way. And he does the most creative thing and you're like, I never would have thought of that. But that's actually better. Thank you very much. God is caring, he cares about our welfare and he has already supplied the need and supplying the need. God loves women. He loves them. We are not a second thought. We are not an afterthought. We are the crown of his creation. He loves women. God is personal. He is personal. He doesn't send an angel to help us. He himself comes and is our help. See, that's what we try to do for God. God is generous. He is generous with us. He gives from his abundance, the abundance of his grace. He is a blessing God. He loves to give. He loves to show favor. He loves to supply all our needs according to his riches in glory someone describing the name Yahweh from the book. um, Can't remember the name of the book. But he talked about how, (laughs) caffeine. He talked about how God is the water looking for the thirsty. He is the bread. We would see Jesus. He is the bread looking for the hungry. This is our God. He is a blessing God. He is a God that longs to bless, to give. He's a giving God. He's a loving God. This is our God. He is an emancipating God, freedom-imparting God. First thing he does when he saves us is he emancipates us from the power of sin. He gives us freedom in Christ. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty for all. He's a perfect God, absolutely perfect And he's a finisher. He who has begun a good work in you. Philippians 1, 6, he'll finish it. He's just getting started. He will finish that work. And he is concerned for our needs. He knows when we need rest. And he supplies that rest to us. The more you know your God, the more you will trust him. Not just the more you can trust him, the more you'll have the capacity to trust, but the more you will trust him and the more you will entrust to him. Paul said, I know who I've believed in. See, I know, I know my God and I am fully convinced that he is able to keep, and that word keep means to safeguard, to protect. I am fully convinced fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him. You know what I've learned? I've learned that my children are safer in God's hands than they ever were in my house. Whether they live in New York City or near San Francisco, go San Francisco or whether they park in a dark garage and then take an elevator up to their apartment every night. My children are safer in God's hands than they ever were in mine. I entrust my children every day into the hands of my God every day. Lord, you watch them because you know I can't. You watch them. Because you know I want to. But you can protect them. You can keep them. You can woo them. You can meet all their needs better than I can. God, you can meet their emotional needs. You can meet their financial needs. You can meet their spiritual needs. You can meet their physical needs. <clears throat> you can meet their biological needs. So much better, oh, thousand times better, a billion times better than my best efforts. You are God creator. You are Elohim. You are Yahweh. The more, the more you know God, the more you will trust him, the more you will entrust to him. And the more you trust and entrust, the more you will realize that you are safer in his hands than in your own hands, much safer. God wants to show each of us the magnificence of his name. He wants us to know what the name I am, that I am means personally. God wants us to know his work, His ability to do the unfathomable, the impossible, the unthinkable, the creative, and the wonderful in our lives. He wants us to see his work and know his work. God wants us to know his person, all he is. All he is, all he's doing from the beginning of creation, God has wanted relationship with mankind. And God's revelation to us, this beginning revelation, is that we might know our great creator and have access to this greatest of all gods through his son, his son, Jesus his word, his agency of creation, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. All that God is, all that God has done and is able to do is available through to us, is available right now, is availed to us and accessible to us through Jesus Christ. We can go into the very throne room of God We can approach one who is brighter than the sun shining in its strength and get close and intimate because we are covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We can know God. We can receive all we need from this great God because Jesus has given us access by his blood. We are covered and all that God is is now ours in relationship because of Jesus Christ. This is what God has done. This is who God is. And it's time to know our great creator personally, that we might begin to experience all heat, is, relationally, that we might know by experience that our God is the God of
0: gods, the King of kings, the Lord Almighty, amen? God gave us the book of Genesis so we would know that He is our great Creator. His desire in creating us was for fellowship, and we have that in our relationship with Jesus Christ. All that God is, all that God has done and all that God is able to do is available to us through Jesus Christ. We can approach God unafraid knowing that Jesus paid the price for our sins and we can now experience true life in a relationship with God. God is near and desires to know you. He is close. All you have to do is call out to Him. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at truth and deception as we continue our series, Our Great Creator in the Book of Genesis with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com.